Welcome back to Parkside Green's Bible Study. Pastor Steve here, just loving our study of Luke so far. I hope you are as well. Uh, in this week's passage, we are going to see Mary as a model of faith. Mary is a model of faith. But before we dive into the text, I thought maybe we'd take a minute and back up and kind of look at the big picture together. Many people think of worldwide Christianity as having three main branches. There are about 1.25 billion self-identified Catholics. There's about 1 billion self-identified Protestants and independents, and about 300 million Orthodox. And as you may know, Catholics commonly believe that Mary was preserved from original sin in the womb of her mother, Anne, and that she lived her whole life without sin, remained a lifelong virgin, and then was spared a normal burial and bodily decay and was just assumed directly into heaven. The Orthodox are not as concerned with Mary being preserved from original sin, but they do, like Catholics, celebrate her assumption directly into heaven rather than a normal death and bodily decay. Both Protestants, uh, both Catholics and Orthodox commonly pray to Mary as a way of praying through her to God, whereas Protestants reject all of these beliefs and practices. But in an effort to not overreact to excessive devotion to Mary, we, as Jesus' followers, want to have a fully biblical view of Mary, don't we? And what we'll see in Luke 1, 26 to 56 this week is Mary is a model of faith. And we're going to study that under three headings there in your outline for the notes. Number one, we'll see Gabriel and Mary's surrender in verses 26 to 38. Secondly, we'll see Elizabeth and Mary's blessing in verses 39 to 45. And thirdly, we'll see the Lord and Mary's praise in verses 46 to 56. So we begin then with Gabriel and Mary's surrender in verses 26 to 38. You'll remember last week that angel Gabriel told Zechariah that he and his barren wife, who were both advanced in years, he and his wife, that they were going to have a baby. <laughs> and we left off with Elizabeth conceiving baby John and then keeping herself hidden for five months. But now, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel is sent from God to, uh, to Nazareth in Galilee, this little city, our village of Nazareth. It's about 60 miles north of Jerusalem, where the angel had previously appeared to Zechariah. Specifically, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. And she was betrothed. She was in a legally binding engagement, breakable only by divorce, to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. And the Lord addressed Mary by saying, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. God had set his special favor on Mary and was with her in a special way. But Mary wasn't quite sure what to make of this greeting, this saying, and it, it kind of troubled her. She, she tried to figure out what the angel meant. I mean, why would God's favor rest on such an unlikely person? I mean, it's perplexing. <laughs> well, after telling her not to be afraid, the angel addresses her by name as Mary and explains that she has found favor with God. See, the Lord was showing special favor or grace 
to Mary, such that she would conceive in her womb and bear a son, that she, not Joseph, she would name as Jesus. The angel Gabriel goes on to foretell how Jesus is going to be great. He's going to be called son of the God Most High. That's a title for God found in many places in the Old Testament, the Most High. And the Lord God would give to him the throne of his father David. So he'd reign over the house of Jacob or Israel forever. That's right. His kingdom would never end this little baby who was coming into the world. So let's put it all together. An angel tells Mary that due to God's favor or grace that she, a virgin, would conceive and bear a son, Jesus, who is actually God's son and who's going to reign over an everlasting, never-ending kingdom. That's a lot to swallow, right? Mary wonders and she asks the angel how this will all come about since she's a virgin, literally, since I know no man. Well, the angel answers by explaining that the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary in a miraculous way. The power of the Most High, again, that's God, would overshadow her. And because the Holy God would cause Mary's pregnancy through the Holy Spirit, the child to be born to her would be called the Holy Son of God. A holy child conceived by a holy God. And adding to the surprising news, Gabriel tells Mary that her relative, her kinswoman, Elizabeth, has conceived a son in her old age. She who was called barren for all those years, all those decades most likely, is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Conception by an old woman, showing no signs of fertility, and conception by a young woman who has never been with a man, truly nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Then we see Mary as a model of faith, right? Perhaps with her head spinning and her heart racing, she responds, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And with that, the angel departs from her. Whoa, let's just take a second and consider some similarities and some contrast with the story from last week. The same angel, Gabriel, appeared to Zechariah and to Mary. Both were troubled by the angelic visit. Both were told not to be afraid. Both were told of the future birth of a son and given those sons' names. In both cases, the angel explains the son's future role in God's plan of salvation. Both are given signs of reassurance and both are simply to trust God. However, the miracle of John's conception and John's ministry of preparing the people for the Lord are far surpassed by the miracle of Jesus's virginal conception and Jesus's ministry as the Son of God, who's going to sit on a throne and reign over God's never-ending kingdom. So John certainly is a key supporting actor But Jesus is going to be the star of the story, this true story. And and think about Mary as a key supporting actress as well. 
Leon Morris calls Mary's response to the angel a quiet heroism, right? A quiet heroism. Remember, she's not yet married. She's perhaps a teenager. She doesn't know how Joseph is going to react, and she's almost certain to face life-shattering consequences. Was she really going to be the one woman in history to bear the Son of God who would reign over a never-ending kingdom? I mean, it'd be risky to surrender to this plan of God announced by the angel. Kind of like when Abraham is asked to go and sacrifice Isaac. Does it make sense? Can I trust him? Or is it risky when it's God's plan? Consider that. Mary then is truly a model of faith to all of us. Total surrender, total trust. Total surrender, total trust. She is all in, come what may, let God's will be done. Let God's will be done. We move then from Gabriel and Mary's surrender to Elizabeth and Mary's blessing in verses 39 to 45. After her life-changing encounter with the angel sent by God, remember, Mary headed with haste into the hill country of Judah to be with her pregnant relative, Elizabeth. She couldn't get there soon enough. Uh, They were tied together, you see, by Gabriel's foretelling of their God-engineered miraculous pregnancies, and the tie was even deeper than that. Because when Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, little baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Not just a nudge or a kick, but a leap. (laughs) These two miraculously conceived children are in each other's presence, though in utero, for the first time. And at that moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, a shout of excitement, "'Blessed are you among women!' Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Right? Mary truly is a blessed virgin. She's blessed to be favored by God, chosen to be the mother of God's own son. And notice also the absence of jealousy or envy on the part of Elizabeth, who just joyously affirms Mary's great blessings. Elizabeth goes on to ask, why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. (laughs) Did you catch how Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, describes Mary as the mother of my Lord? (laughs) Baby Jesus, still newly in Mary's womb, is the Messiah, and thus is Elizabeth's Lord. Young, pregnant Mary is already the mother of old Elizabeth's Lord. And notice in verse 44 how in response to Mary's greeting, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. This isn't then just a six-month-old developing fetus, but is a baby who is capable of feeling joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Joy. And lastly, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Remember, Zechariah was made mute, and at this point he is still mute because he did not believe God's words to to him that were spoken through the angel Gabriel. 
Whereas Mary is blessed as one who did believe God's word to her would be fulfilled. Again, Mary is truly a model of faith through her radical trust in God. So we've seen Gabriel and Mary's surrender. We've seen Elizabeth and Mary's blessing. And now lastly, we'll see the Lord and Mary's praise in verses 46 to 56. Of course, God has been prominent all along through this whole passage, right? God sent Gabriel to Mary. God showed favor or grace to Mary. God was with her in a special way. God would give to Jesus the throne of David. God's power would overshadow Mary, bringing about the virginal conception. Nothing is impossible with God, and what God had spoken to Mary would be fulfilled. But now, in Mary's song of praise, the central focus falls even more clearly on the Lord. Right? Mary's soul magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. And just as a side note here, Mary rejoices in God, her Savior, because like all of us, Mary was not sinless, but a sinner in need of a Savior. She needed to be saved, and in God's grace, that would happen through her very own baby. <laughs> Mary was the mother of Elizabeth's Lord, and she was the mother of her own Savior. <laughs> Notice, too, that starting in verse 49, God is the subject of all the verbs through the rest of the song. Did you pick that up? Again, the focus is squarely on praising the Lord. And exactly why does Mary praise the Lord? Well, it's because just like the Lord looked on barren Elizabeth back in verse 25, the Lord here looked on the humble state or low worldly status of his servant Mary. Isn't it just like God to use an obscure girl from a small village to accomplish his great purposes? From now on, all generations will call her blessed, not because of her personal holiness, but because of the child she would bear. So understood rightly, she truly is the blessed Virgin Mary, <laughs> right? She's described as a virgin twice in verse 27, again in verse 34, and it is said that she is blessed in verses 42, 45, and 48. In verse 49, Mary celebrates how mighty God has done great things for her. So rather than fearing the social fallout from her, what could be a scandalous premarital pregnancy, Mary praises God for doing this great thing for her. What a model of faith. She also celebrates God's holiness, verse 49, God's mercy for those who fear or reverence him, verse 50, and God's strength in verse 51. Mary knows the God whom she praises, a holy, merciful, almighty God. And in the last half of her song, Mary's praise moves from how God has done great things for her to how God has done great things for all of his people, especially believing Israelites in this context, right? As a just judge, God has scattered the proud. He's brought down the mighty. He sent the rich away empty. I ask myself, am I ever proud 
in the inner thoughts of my own heart. Ouch, something to consider. At the same time, God has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. God then is bringing about a great reversal. And notice Mary's use throughout of the past tense, showing her certainty of what God was doing and what God would do. Well, through these miraculous pregnancies, by bringing John and Jesus into the world, the Lord has remembered his mercy by helping his servant Israel. It's been over 1,700 years since God has spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now God is making good on his promise. God had not forgotten his covenant, which is repeated several times way back in the book of Genesis at the beginning. No, God was fulfilling his promise that through Abraham and his descendants, which would include Jesus, that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Then we are told that young pregnant Mary remained with old pregnant Elizabeth for about three months before returning home to Nazareth. Is that three months meant to indicate that Mary stayed until John was born or that she left just before John's birth? We don't know. We aren't told. But what we do know is that nothing is impossible with God that God will keep all the promises he has made to his people, even if those promises are hard to square with our current circumstances and feelings. May the Lord give us Mary-like faith in God's promises and lead us to rejoice in God our Savior rather than living in fear and worry. In the Bible, we don't find Mary preserved from sin. She needs a savior. We don't find Mary being a perpetual virgin, but just a virgin prior to conceiving Jesus, right? Later, Jesus himself is said to have several brothers and sisters. We don't find Mary being prayed to, but we definitely find her praising God and shining as a model of radical, humble faith in the Lord. This is truly a gospel. It's good news, right? Almighty God is using a very unmighty young woman and her miraculously conceived child to extend mercy to all those who reverence him and to fulfill his long-awaited promise to Abraham and his descendants. The Son of God has come into the world through the Holy Spirit, overshadowing a faith-filled virgin, and God's Son will reign over his people in a glorious, never-ending kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this good news of great joy that through the Holy Spirit and Mary's surrendered spirit, that you brought your Holy Son into the world to be our Savior and our Lord. With Mary, our souls magnify you and our spirits rejoice in you, our Savior. You who are mighty have done great things for Mary and for all your people. We praise you as the holy, merciful, almighty God and for the great reversal you are bringing about in your never-ending kingdom. 
We praise you for the good news of Jesus, your own Son, through whom we pray. Amen.